Hello everyone, uh, Steve here, welcome to the Science Shed. Um, I am talking to you today from my hotel room in San Francisco. I've literally just stepped off an aeroplane, I've just jumped in a cab, I've just got to, this, uh, to a fancy hotel right in the middle of San Francisco to do some work. But I thought before I crack on with my work, what I do is finish the podcast, because it's Sunday and it's going to be a little bit late today, because I've, um, unfortunately I've been on an uh, aeroplane for 11 hours, so I'm sorry about that. Um, so this week what we've got is a listener's choice episode. So we, we put a call out on social media and asked if everyone that listens to the podcast what their favourite episode was. Um, and uh, uh, we got a really good response, which is really kind of you. So thank you all for everyone that kind of contacted us and said what uh, episodes they liked. Um, so you've got those coming up. So hopefully if you've uh, listened to the, these before, you get to reminisce. If you haven't heard them before, then you get to be... Uh, exposed anew. Now the reason we're doing this is because Nick's been a bit busy actually. He's um, in fact got married yesterday. Uh, so 24 hours ago, less than 24 hours ago, I was at his wedding um, and it was all going really well and it all went well um, but I had to leave early because I had to kind of get back to London to get on an aeroplane to come here but I think it all went well. I saw some um, uh, some pictures and, um, and Nick did a really good job. So um, to celebrate Nick becoming a man um, uh, with this Listener's Choice episode, I've done a mega mix. I've done a mega mix of all of the intros that we normally do to the, the, the podcast. So for those of you that don't know, if you listen to the podcast, uh, Nick likes to do accents and silly intros. Um, so I've linked these all together. Um, uh, so there's something a little bit new here. And then there's a final golden Easter egg. If you listen right to the end of the podcast, I've got the original vocal track from the first time we ever tried to record the Science Shed theme. So you know like those kind of like really cool uh, like uh, BBC Six music shows where uh, someone talks about the original David Bowie lyrics and stuff. You've got that coming. Nick singing the Science Shed theme. I'm sure you're all really excited. So uh, without further any, without any further ado, I'll uh, I'll get on with it. Bye. Hello, uh, my name's Brian, and I've come here from the canal. I've been in Wolverhampton today, and I'm wondering what's going on because I saw this shed by the canal, and it looked like there was a light on inside. It. Oh, hey, what, what's going on in here? Well, you're in the Science Shed. What? I'm coming in here to get yeah, get a tool out of here, like. I need, like, a new spanner. Um, hello. Hello, who are you? Um, Gerald. Hello, Gerald. How are you doing? Um, look, I'm okay. Hello, is it? Is it on the phone? Where am I? Hello? Hey, it's Brian. How you doing, it's Brian? It's me again. <laughs> hey, how was the canal? It's great, mate. Hello. Hello there. How are you? I'm all right. What's your name? I'm Paddy. Ah, oh, what a surprise. Canal again, fishing for some sticklebacks. Is it? Science Shed! We're in the Science Shed! Science Shed! We're in the Science Shed! Come on, Steve. Bunsen. Burner. Dollar. Machine. Internal. Combustion. Why do we need? Petri. Dishes. Oscar. Isaac. Newton. Transplanting.
Steve, I've had an interesting um, experience this week. Ooh, experience. Yeah, it was really, it was one of the most entertaining things that's ever happened to me in my working you mean, life. You mean like professionally or just Just, just in my total. working life. Just in your working life, okay. It, it was up there as well with like, an, it was so almost not like... So Nick down the pub, Nick, you mean like the, Dr. Nick Evans, Associate Professor at Southampton University? No, uh, across my whole professional right, life. Right, okay. And actually, it's a, I would have, I would have happily, I could, I imagine. It's like the audio equivalent of clickbait. <laughs> You'll never guess what happens next. <laughs> we should just, we shouldn't talk about it next week. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so um, yeah, I felt like I should have paid money, but we. So to start at the beginning, I'm a, I'm a member of this group called it's called Fortisnet at Southampton. Yeah. So um, this group, it's kind of like it's basically research and company. It tries to get academics and researchers and other what we call stakeholders people with an interest yeah um in a field of research together to try and interact to apply for grants or to start oh, so, new so collaborations th- these are um uh like industry people as well as it, uh, yeah industry uh, and all kinds of different okay. people there so the people that i work with from the ministry of defense as well and things like that right so they all come together and it's the, the central theme is um it's kind of orthopedics okay. and um orthotics and prosthetics yeah. So either devices that might be implanted in the body to improve joint function, so it's like skeletons basically, mm-hmm. like artificial knees and hips, think that sort of thing. <clears throat> but also orthotics, so things that might be worn outside the body to improve body function, or you know, all the way from wheelchairs to okay. to artificial. So probably legs. quite a diverse set of people then. You know, oh, it's really yeah. diverse of people, and actually really top people, and it's quite an exciting group of people to have in a room. I mean, you've got people all the way from biologists, people doing stem cell stuff, all the way through to you know, people who make wheelchairs. Right. So it's quite interesting. But um, they it's the second meeting that they've had, and it was a bit of a coup this year, because they managed to get in SuperVet. I don't know who that is. So SuperVet is a guy um, called Noel Fitzpatrick. Right. He's a vet. He's, he's presumably a TV show, is this? He's a TV show. Yeah. It's called The SuperVet. It was initially called The Bionic Vet. It was on the BBC, and it's been running on Channel 4 for about right. six or seven years. So if you watched uh, Channel Four, you might see it's I like a re- TV, it's like know. a fly on the wall in a veterinary. I'm practice. too busy having meetings at seven a.m. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so Super Vets there. That's exciting. Super Vets there. Were right. you a bit starstruck? Um, no, because I, actually I don't watch Super Vets either. <laughs> 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 so, um, but I know of him. Right. And I've seen clips and I'm aware of who he is and everything. So I didn't really know what to expect. So you've got to imagine this meeting. Yeah. It's quite a dry academic meeting. Mm-hmm. People Been are giving many of those. Yeah. Know, that, know how that works. Yeah. 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 People are giving talks about who they are and right. what their research is. And yeah. generally it's graphs. Lots of lots of probably uh like slightly graying men wearing shirts and jeans, like tucked in. There is was that, some of that yeah. going on. But there's also quite a lot of suity type people because uh, it's an industry thing. Ah, of remember. course, they yeah. do like yeah. So there was a lot of those sorts of people. Um all very nice. I had a, it was a really nice day in general. Come on, Nick, what happened? <laughs> so basically, so <laughs> Noel Fitz, Fitzpatrick's there. So people listening to this podcast may have may have heard of him. So he's a vet. Just to give you a bit of background about what he does, he runs a practice uh, veterinary referrals unit in okay. Surrey. And they do um they do orthopedic surgery generally on right. animals. So if an animal like has breaks cancer in its, its bone, breaks its leg, gets squashed, yeah. he kind of like basically rebuilds oh, your is, dog. You can tell this is a great uh, <laughs> TV <laughs> show. So do they play Cigarros a lot? 
<laughs> like what? Sig of Ross, you know I that, don't get that, it. that song that was on everything when the like the, the dog finally gets better and like has this little <laughs> Oh yeah, 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 very emotional yeah, post rock yeah, kind of thing. Exactly. I see what you mean. Anyway, so um uh yeah, he he's been doing this for quite a number of years and it's been quite successful and he's he's been on TV. So often what happens is he fits these ridiculous um, orthotic or prosthetic devices to dogs like they, a new leg yeah they've got like a, an artificial leg these dogs right. are walking running around and then rover comes in and the family are happy again exactly right. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It. cures the animals so he does all this type of stuff so he he came along and our current vc is a guy called sir christopher snowden who used to be the vice chancellor at surrey university university okay. of surrey in guildford and he was the VC, I think, at Surrey when um, this guy, Noel Fitzpatrick, set up a vet practice there. In Guildford. So he, he established a new, sorry, not a vet practice, a, a veterinary school. Oh, so they've known each other. They've known there's each other. There's so bad I think, blood. I think, I can... No, 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 there's no bad blood. <laughs> okay. they, lo- they love each other. Okay. He kept saying what a great man. He, this was, oh, I'll come to this in a minute. Yeah. So basically, <clears throat> it was a bit of a coup to get him. And right. he came along and gave this two talks. Yeah. Were they oh, good? Oh my god! Right, they, so they blow, blow, they uh, blow them out the water. Uh, just so I was setting the scene a minute ago, was it like a TED talk. Oh, it was, it was like, it was like <laughs> nothing I've seen. It was, it was a TED talk. Okay, so the person that's just finished has just come up and said, done like a really boring PowerPoint. They've done a really boring PowerPoint. All of, all of is, the, all of the slides don't work and they don't this, match. No, and no, the no. Fonts this is part of it. They did two, two talks. One about very practical talks about prostheses. Yeah. Prosthetic devices. Um, another one on being a pr- prosthetist, they're fitting them and things like okay. that. And he, in comes the super vet. Like, bam! It's time. It's time. It's time for so the big guns. He's like he looks dishevelled. Right? The super vet does. The super vet looks. He's badly right. shaven. He's wearing sort of black shirt, black jeans. Not ironed. He's totally dishevelled. Hasn't right. been. Okay. Hasn't looks a bit like, like you. Just comes Is that what in you're and he's like, "Hello, guys! <laughs> Hello, everybody!" Hey! He starts shouting and like gesticulating, <laughs> yeah. right? And he starts giving this what must be a talk that he's done a few times before. But he's a consummate showman and also extremely controversial and happy to be controversial. And he's been relatively successful in being that Huge way. Successful. Right. So first of all, he tells he hasn't slept for three days. That's his opening That's his gambit. <laughs> and he shows a picture of himself lying down in a lecture room in the University of Bradford where he slept for two hours before giving a presentation there the previous day before he came to Southampton not having slept again. Sounds, yeah. He's walking around. So I, I was sitting at the front, just, you know, just yeah. randomly. I happened to be sitting in the front. He would walk past me, sort of knock me out <laughs> the way, walk down the middle of the room. It was fantastic. Yeah. It was so fantastic. Yeah. But he did present a lot of stuff. He had opinions about things. Really, really, really strong opinions. Okay. All right. So first of all, he's built his career on putting these prosthetic devices into dogs and innovating. So he's very keen to stress that he's yeah. been innovating and he, he's designed a lot of these things yeah. himself. Right. You know, and his, his real mantra is, these can help people. Oh, right. right. So he wants to actually trans- transition them from fixing Fido's leg to fixing people's legs. So exactly. Okay. And he's got... That's quite a noble thing to do. It is. And I actually agree. I mean, he was... It was, right. fant- it was fantastic, Steve. Right. You've got I no bet idea. you were loving it. Did you, were you, were you all but little... he, was saying, he was saying things, you know, he was... He was um, there's all these orthopedic surgeons. Right. So, you know, high profile surgeons. Proper, yeah, in the proper grown-ups. Yeah. You know, and he was saying, saying, saying things like, Six years ago, six million people didn't know what I do. Now they do because I'm on telly. Nobody will know what you guys do because you're not on the telly. 
That's cr- that's harsh, but he probably was, true. He was picking people out of the room as well. Surgeons say, you case Ruth. studies. He was saying things like, oh, I can't. He, he was he was basically saying, you're getting jealous. I put a orthopedic talk about this highly yeah. complex bit of surgery. And they put it in a dog. Look at the dog. He clicks the, clicks the button. The dog's walking around, jumping yeah. up a wall. Are you jealous? Are you jealous now? <laughs> All this like highly controversial. Wow. And he was Click bitter. here to know more. He was kind of bitter because he'd been wanting. So his central concept, which I liked. Yeah. He wants to try and test more things on, on animals through veterinary practice. Okay. So at the moment, a lot of what's tested is done on laboratory animals. Uh-huh. So this is a serious point. So you get like a lab animal and you make it make it ill. Yeah. Or you give it an injury, and then you try and introduce your technique. Well, he was saying you take things that are already ill, and so you're not absolutely. Yeah, so you're so not, he you're was, not taking healthy animals. And he and, was saying that rather than do that, you've got cohorts of dogs in vet practices, and you could look at you know a hundred dogs that had osteosarcoma. So that's cancer of the yeah. bone. When they lose a load of bone, they've got to have a leg chopped off. You could try it on them, and then you could sort of show the data in that manner. Seems reasonable. It is reasonable, and he was he was basically bitching that there was no interact because he's a vet. No one gives a shit about what he says. Oh, you mean in the academic. And he showed community. a picture of what they thought about what he was, and it was just he was lying on some hay with his hands stuck up the cow's ass, basically. So he's saying, "This is what you guys think of me. You don't engage." You know, and right, all this so stuff. He's really giving people really confrontational. Amazing, totally confrontational. And were you loving of, it? Were you like, were you? Was I it was, one of those things. I that, felt, were you in the moment? You're like, you're like, this is happening now. This is. I, I'm. This I was, is, I'm, I'm experiencing I a. I wouldn't a, say. I wouldn't say that I was loving it. I was kind of feeling sort of embarrassed and exposed. <laughs> like you wanted to get up right and put, just put him, put him one of those like, um, well, like survival sure blankets. Because I was making notes. Like I wrote down a few of his quotes and I was I was yeah. half the time thinking he's suddenly going to grab my book off me and say, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you writing here? Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. But he, um, wow. he was very, very inspiring. I mean, just, just an example of some of the the things he says he's, he was talking about the people that he works with in his practice so this is another thing you'd get on with him he's a workaholic works 16 really? hour days good. and has no good life effort. good effort <laughs> yeah. he sleeps are you jealous got a bed and a lamp <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and like he makes so I've I've heard from someone else because he's he's interacted with the orthopaedic community right. to do research he publishes a lot of papers he does things like he'll have a surgery planned for 8am yeah. the next morning right so you're ready to go in 8am in the morning He's manic the night before. He'll phone people up at 2 or 3 a.m. and get everyone in to do the surgery because he wants to do it at 3 a.m. in the morning. Because he's like excited in. about it. Yeah, and I'll come back to this in a minute. But That's someone awesome. else I know is his, um, thinking about working there. And um, I think the general consensus is that if you go and work for him, you have to it's do expected. It. It's his way or the highway. You, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I got hundreds of applicants. That's what he says. Anyway, and he says things like, you know, um, I want to be surrounded by beautiful gold nuggets that permeate the light of hope into the world. Wow. You can put that on a T-shirt. Yeah. Does a 13-year-old kid watch all creatures great and small? Or do they watch Supervet? You tell me. <laughs> they watch Supervet. I'm wow. on the telly. A friend of mine counted how many times he said, I'm, I'm on the telly. telly. It was eight times. Why is he super? Other than the fact, that, is there anything, he's just a vet. Like, is, there, is there anything other than the fact he works no, sixteen he hours is, a day? He's or gen- he is. Uh, I I totally. He's like a really good vet. He's. I don't know whether he's a, a good standard vet, but he's a referrer. He does his specialist, right? And he's innovative, and he does things that nobody else has done. Like he's pioneered the use of eye tap. So this is a technique where if someone loses a leg, 
Yeah. Often what happens is you you have a prosthetic leg. Yeah. So, um, you know, you've got a you've got your stump. Yeah. So your leg ends in the stump, and then you have a socket, and the the, the thing goes in there. And that's that's really problematic in many cases because you get sores and things. It's uncomfortable. Okay. The skin deteriorates because of the load. So there's right. a lot of stress on it. That soft tissue is not designed to hold. Yeah. So there's a technique using osseointegration, which actually you use in your teeth. Right. When you have an implant in your teeth, they put a piece of metal into the, into the bone, bone in your jaw. your your mandible or your yeah. maxilla, the, yeah. the two bones in your jaw, and that sticks out the skin, and you can screw on a tooth. Yeah. All right. So they've tried to do the same thing in bones. I've seen this. Yeah. So sometimes I, I was on an airplane actually the other day, and there was a guy there that was, that had a um, uh, that was missing a leg, and he uh, he had that. So you can he has like a little like kind of metal peg sticking out the end of his of his stump, and he was I was kind of talking to him about it, and he was just saying he had. That it was a kind of relatively new addition. Apparently, he just just had that, and it was actually much better. Um, so I think it does it does work, right? They they're much. I mean, they for people who've had amputation. I think the consensus is that for comfort and for m- movement, yeah, they're much far superior because you've got a direct uh, mechanical interface with your own skeleton. with the bone, yeah, yeah. And you basically the metal sticks out as you were saying, and you yeah. can screw on different sorts of upgrades, immediate. yeah, Super like, humans. You know, yeah, so a foot, a yeah. blade, tin opener maybe. Tin opener. Screw yeah. whatever you Record want. player. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so he's pioneered that in dogs and cats and things. Okay. So there's cats with these things sticking out the end of the bone with a with an implant on. Yeah. And there are clinical trials underway to look at them. The, the main problem with them is because it's sticking out through the skin, there's a, the, the tissue is open. Right. It's like a, what's called a stoma, an opening of yeah, yeah. tissue. So it's like a, you've got a wound, basically. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, so a lot of them get infected. So that is the challenge. Yeah. There is a group. So what does, what does Supervet think? Supervet loves them. <laughs> he thinks they're the best. This was the other thing. Somebody else somebody yeah. else had just given a talk on press, prostheses. Right. And he was, you know, they <laughs> were in the past. Prostheses, you know, sorry, stump fitting <laughs> right. is in the past. So it was a little you bit. got to get with the times. Shape yeah. up or ship out. But basically. I like, this, I like he, the cut of this guy's jib. He was, I mean, but he's also, I felt a little bit, you know, he was too sure of himself. But you can see how he's been selected to be that way, right? Because basically he like shouts a lot and then he goes to Channel 4 and they say, oh, we love this guy. He's really good on camera and he shouts a lot and seems to know what he wants to do. I Let's give him a load of money. And then he gets successful for shouting a lot. And then like he just, it's a kind of big positive feedback loop. You I know? think so. But I think he's quite successful and a lot of people go to see him. You know, he doesn't, he's got no family. All of the, He says all of his money is going to be given to this thing called the human animal trust right which is this uh, organization oh, she's trying awesome to build thing. in re- 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 reciprocal something or other I right. a word for it reciprocity which is the idea that you you know you can build new human medical treatments by working with vets basically well, so, that, um, that seems fantastic. like a reasonable idea it was yeah so um highly entertaining totally overawing yeah i haven't even got to the best bit okay <laughs> So the the, the, the the thing at the end, so one of my colleagues... So this is his big, big closer. So one of my colleagues, Cameron, who I, I know very well, sits next to me at, at work. All right. He's, so he says it's okay to, to talk about it. But basically, he wants to be an intern in Noel. He's a vet. Ooh. So he does work at the moment. He wants a piece of the pie. He wants to get under the, the super vet. He wants to be involved. Wing. Yeah. He yeah. wants to be. He wants to. Yeah. He wants to learn from from the, <laughs> from the best. <laughs> well, they are doing stuff which yeah. no one else is doing. So he he um he'd come to the day to meet him at the end. Right. To sort of he says, "Where's uh, where's Cameron? 
And then he spots Cameron was in the next room watching. And he spots him. So he says, Cameron, what, come it, come up here. In the Gets mid- a chair. So he walks to the back of the room, picks a yeah. chair, carries it over everyone's heads, puts it at the front of the room, right in front of where I was sitting. Right. Sits Cameron down and gives him an ad hoc interview. In front of everyone. Just inter- just <laughs> ask him, oh what God. do you want? What do you want? <laughs> So well, that's not very intimidating, so, yeah. is it? That seems totally yeah, relaxed. It's like two or three kinds of questions. Yeah. And he says, and then at the end of it, this <laughs> manic display, he just oh says, my God. great, you've got it, you're hired. <laughs> to like rapturous applause <laughs> and everyone's... <laughs> no, I don't think anyone knew what to do. That's what he was hoping. Supervet was, super was going to... Is it like a kind of Baptist preacher? Like you're like stand up and walk? Kind of like, yeah, that's exactly what it was like. It was exactly like, like, like that. Throw away your crutches. Oh my god! And some of, of the establishment other, some of the, become just, with me. Just let me. This is some of the other quotes I've got okay. here that he said. These a lot of them di- uh, directed at the at the audience. Are we just gonna get? Is this gonna be libel cases we're making? <laughs> no, 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 no. He says, um, <laughs> "We could pummel into the world a hope so bright that it inspires everybody." Wow. All stuff like that's this. great. Time. I like this guy. I want to go All drinking with him. It'd be fun. And he was saying he was talking How about. How old is Supervet? He's like forty-eight. Oh, so he's oh, so still got, still he's got, still got a lot to do. Unless you're an axe-wielding homicidal <laughs> maniac, something, something must matter to you. I like him. <laughs> I like him. Has he done? Has he done a TED talk? He should I tell a TED you talk. what. You should, Steve. You should go and see. I'm going to have to go watch. Super I, I found now, it. I? I found it one of the most entertaining, strange. It's like and kind of like, like listeners, quite Nick, inspiring Nick like he's talks like a, I've ever seen. It was you know, amazing. Like, yeah, you do seem like you've had a little, like a spiritual awakening. From <laughs> no, I haven't, I haven't been spiritually awoken, but I was, I tell you what, I was entertained. Yeah? I was, I was begging for more. <laughs> I was hoping you need to carry on. Oh yeah, I love top trumps. My yeah. I, my favourite, most played pack was a one of um, boats, different sorts of boats. Boats. I had the car one, the supercar one. That was good. Yeah, I, I don't think that. I had that one. That was good. And there was the Marvel ones as well. No, I never had them. If you're, you're a bit younger than me, though, aren't you? I am. Yeah. Um, did you? Did you? If you had to make a super hit, uh, sorry, a, a scientist top trumps, mm. who who would be the best? You know, there's in top trumps. There's always one Al- card. It'd be Albert Einstein, wouldn't it? Obviously. Do you think? Well, the Albert, Albert Einstein, Isaac Newton, you that's, might have like... That's the one. Wolfgang The godfather Pally. of gravity, the maestro of mass. I think it's got to be Isaac Newton. Yeah, but he's been... Einstein was more of a paradigm shift when Einstein discovered all of these... I'm about to rock your world with that Ooh, not being okay. True. I'm interested. So I have a paper here, which yes. I think we're going to... I'm going to break this down into separate... Um, we can come back to this in different podcasts. I'm just going to introduce it to you. So I found this paper from 1650... Sorry, 1671. Okay. Uh, that Isaac Newton wrote to the Royal Society. Mm. And in it, 
like I read this the other day and I was giddy with how beautiful it is. Like, oh like, like I, and I can't do it justice on the podcast by only doing it in one go. So we're going to break it down. It's amazing that you can get giddy reading a paper from 1671. But I am a bit weird. <laughs> uh, I can vouch for that. <laughs> That's true. Right. Um, so this is, um, so I'll read you, I'm just going to read a little bit and we're going to stop it now. But it's, it's a letter um, of... Uh, of, so I'll read you to this paper. It says, um, a letter of Mr. Isaac Newton, professor of mathematics in the University of Cambridge, containing his new theory about light and colours. Oh, right. Uh, sent by the author to the publisher uh, to Cambridge, uh, February the 6th, uh, 1671. So this was all to do with stuff about him spitting white light and finding that it's lots of colours with the prisms and all that. It's a famous story, isn't it? Yeah. So, I'm gonna, yeah. so, so this is where all those stories come from, right? I've got the raw yeah. paper. I'm going to read you a little bit. And we're going to go through it each week because there's there's, there's, when you go through it, it's incredible. Am I going to understand it? Because this is all old school English and it's going to be very difficult to get my I'll head do, around. I'll do it in bits. Right. Think, so yeah, let's one, start. So, one so, sentence. <laughs> so... Yeah, so basically, is it about is it about like gravity then? It's not about gravity. All oh, right, it's about it's about. But you're right. It's about colours. So, so you have to remember the time, right? 1670. Actually, this was 1666 where he did these experiments, right? This was Great Fire of London time. In, in fact, halfway through it, I'll tell you, he like he has. To, well, actually, I won't ruin it for that. It's good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so to even think about imagine think about the world then, right? So so he's asking basic questions about what what is colour, right, and what is light. And, and to even even think about these things was quite heretical, right? To actually question the, you know, wh- where the heavens are, those kind of things. It so was the what, Enlightenment. Indeed. Um, Did they know it was the Enlightenment? At the time. They're probably not, <laughs> No, they? it's only in hindsight you get that. What age do you think we're living in now? Technological revolution, I reckon people will probably look back on it. As. Mm, not the, the Trump... Oh, the post-truth post 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 era. Yeah. 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 Anyway, first, first paragraph. To perform my late promise to you, I shall... Sounds like a love letter. I shall, without further ceremony, acquaint you that in the beginning of the year 1666, at which time I had applied applied myself to the grinding of optical glasses of other figures than spherical. He was actually very competent um, lens grinder. Well, this is is how we know that, right? (laughs) I procured... A triangular glass prism. He got this from the fair on, like, there was some fair with some, uh, you know, am I allowed to say gypsies these days? Probably not. Travellers. There was a traveller. Do you think they called them a traveller community? I don't think they did. They were gypsies. Right, okay. He bought it off a gypsy woman. So, so, so yeah, you have to remember when people were, like, were interested in, like, astronomy at that point, you didn't just go yeah. and buy a, micro, uh, a telescope. You had to go and get a bit of glass and grind it down, yeah. right? So a prism would have been, buying a prism would have been, like, the equivalent of, like, going in one of those... Mm, magic earth <laughs> sort of new age shops yeah, exactly. when you buy some fucking wind you buy, yeah and a dream yeah, catcher and a crystal some rose I'm quartz going out to procure myself a prism from the gypsy yeah so this is it so he's, this is his performing his late promise yeah, to us right. uh to try there with the celebrated phenomena of colors right. and in hitherto having darkened my chamber and made a small hole in my window thus he was actually helped by he had a servant oh really like yeah. a smithers and it was like a Smithers because um, it's thought that Isaac Newton was gay. Right. Yeah, okay. he was kind of... Rep- he had this um, Italian gay squeeze for a long time. Right. But obviously it was difficult to 
to be gay in 1761. Yeah, that's not not a good not a good time. But yeah, he had an assistant who looked and prepared all these experiments for him, blacked out the room and everything. So you imagine two of them in the room, a bit of sexual tension going on. (laughs) Get them, get the prism out. Can you reach for the prism? Yes, I love it when you talk dirty. Um, You talking about me now? No. Oh right. Uh, So I placed my prism at at his entrance. (laughs) (laughs) So I haven't read this in advance. Tell me. (laughs) So what did he do next with the prism? (laughs) Come on, come on, come on. He's shedding a whole new light on. Is this why you were giddy? I was genuinely excited about this. And you always have to turn it into some awful sexual innuendo ridden filth. Come on, bring it on. Anyway, so... I placed my prism at his entrance that it might, uh, sorry, hold on, uh, that it might thereby, uh, thereby refract onto the opposite wall. It okay. was first a very pleasing divergement uh, yeah. to view the vivid and intense colours produced thereby. People knew about this because they were hanging over the New Age, and that's why they sold the prisms, wasn't it, yeah. to do that? Yeah. But after a while, applying myself to consider the circumstance, I became surprised to see them in an oblong form which according to the received laws of refraction, I expected them to have been circular. Right, so he's, so he's just basically looking at a rainbow, is what he's doing. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Um, and then he goes through this... Um, I in, mean, anyone that's got a few... I mean, I was going to say, well, anyone that's got a chandelier like me... Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've been to your house, I haven't we, seen... We bought, you know, we bought an extremely tacky thing, but if, you, you know, when light shines through that stuff, you can always see them. I mean, it's, it's yeah. crystals of stuff. You, but you, you have to remember, like, glass is a relatively exotic material at this I time, suppose right? So, you know, yeah. and actually, yeah. so in, in late, shaped glass, shaped glass, particularly not easy to come across. No, you have to grind. Um, and in fact, he talks about you have to make the surfaces very clear as well. So yeah. he says exactly that, right? So, so he's looking at this rainbow, and he's a bit, he's, he's freaking, freaking out that it's not round, and, it, and, and the fact is, it's it's oblong. He's comparing the length of the coloured spectrum with its breadth. I found it about five times greater. A disproportion to the uh, extravagance that it excited me to more than ordinary curiosity of examining from whence it might proceed. See, these types of sentences yeah. written in 1671. That's a hard like... one. But um, so he's, he's, I, then I suspected whether any unevenness in the glass or other contingent irregularity uh, might affect the colours thus. So he, so he did exactly as you, as you suggested. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, he, so he's making... So he goes through these things, right? Um, and so I, we'll come back to what, he, to what he does. But I just want to say that, that kind of... when you If you ever read like Origin of the Species or something like that, or any of those kind of old, big scientific ideas, there's bits of it that are a bit wrong. You know, you go through it and you're like, ah, eh, that's close. But, you know, the, the, the idea is so powerful that it persists, right? And I'll go th- we'll go through this in a separate podcast. But like, what's amazing about this is everything is on point. He gets everything right. And in this, in this article, he talks about refraction, what colours are, right? The idea that they have different, they must be made of, composed of uh, separate colours that when they come together can reform white light. He talks about the, they, the, the, how they're different and how they bend. I mean, that light. was his experimentum crucis, which um, was that, when... But that's in this paper. Oh, is it, it really? Explains so he what split is. them up and then he put them back together put, again. Put that back. was the demonstration. Yeah. Exactly, but then he did it even further. He also talks about how, he talks about how we perceive light like red green and blue he doesn't call it this right but the idea being that if you take red and uh, blue red and green light and you mix it together it goes yellow and he says that's not really yellow light the only really yellow light is the light that comes from white light as it goes through a prism mm. right so he talks about that he then talks about the 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 importance of uh, of chromatic aberration right mm. so he talks about how 
that light must be focused to because it's got a different wavelength it's focused through the prism to a different amount so chromatic aberration is basically if you've got a lens and you're trying to do a microscope experiment the object might look fuzzy because basically the blue light comes to its focal point at a different point than the red light so yeah. that means that it gets a bit fuzzy. And you get that. So this is true if you're on your iPhone or something. If you look yeah. at your picture, if you zoom right in, sometimes what you sometimes see is particularly the edges of the of your image. Quite often you'll find that the the, the colours start to split a little bit, right? Yeah. And so he, he he just induce he just all this comes from him just thinking about yeah. it, right? So he, then he works out. Then he goes, <laughs> oh, the, the telescopes must be rubbish then. But because he's recognised that this that they're made up of separate wavelengths, that they're going to be focused to a different focal plane, that therefore telescopes don't work. And then yeah. he goes, okay, so so he makes up a. a um, a telescope that, that doesn't require uh, the, how to solve this problem doesn't require focusing, but he needs a new material. Mm. Then he finds that new material, he convinces new, and then makes the, the this new telescope, and then sees the moons of Jupiter with it. He then uses that on a, to build a microscope, and to how you might build a better microscope. Mm. He then talks about the phenomenon of how a rainbow works based on pure deduction of uh, th- these these these. Um, uh, just the principle of this light bending. He talks about um, kind of mixtures of colors and things like gold. So like when you look at gold, it's got a different, this doesn't look like any of the primary colors of the rainbow, any of the colors of the rainbow. How should that happen? Yeah. All of this, you know, in bad mouths, uh, Robert Hooke. So Robert Hooke actually makes microscopes. He doesn't even need it. He just thought about it for two years and he just made, he just beat him to it. Like all of this is an experiment from Crucius, which basically he makes a monochromator and then uses that to, de- to determine they must be of the ordering of the wavelength of the light does all of that, tells the people at the Royal Society how to do an experiment that they need to do, and if they can't reproduce it, they should come back to Cambridge and we'll show them how it works. And all of this is all just in one paper. Steve, do you, do you wish you had been assisting? Oh, my Newton? God. I've got a bit of a man crush. Do you wish that he had positioned his prism, the prism close my to your entrance? <laughs> <laughs> So that's it. That was the listener's choice episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, those are the two things that people requested the most. Um, uh, and so thanks to everyone that voted and everyone that sent us emails uh, and getting involved. If, if you like the Science Shed and, and want to spread the joy, uh, please interact with us on social media. I'm uh, at uh, Steve the Chemist and Nick is at the Evans Lab. Um, so please do that. You can also email us um, uh, in the science shed at gmail.com or you can find us on YouTube and other um, Facebook and other those and other social medias, all that social networking jazz. So um, without further ado, this is the last bit. This is what I promised you. This is uh, this is the first ever recording. This is our first go at trying to record the theme tune to the science shed. Now it's not very good. I didn't say it was going to be very good, but I can't have all these things being nice to Nick at the beginning of the podcast without, like, you know, making him feel terrible about himself at the end. So, um, without that, hopefully we'll get the science shed back to where it was, and there'll be more, but many more to come. But hopefully, until that happens, uh, speak to you next time. Bye. Science shed. We're in the science shed. Science shed. We're in the science shed! Come on, Steve. Petri dishes lost in space. Isaac Newton transplanting my face. Bunsen, Barner, Dolly the Sheep. Internal combustion. Why do we need sleep? <laughs>